0: Hello and welcome. I'm Russ Kleiman, Global Leader of SEI Ventures. Today we are joined by Russell Andrews, Global Head of Advice Solutions for SEI Asset Management Distribution. Russell is joining me today to discuss five key themes in the client experience, hyper-personalization, frictionless, gamification, education, and social. When we think about leading digital brands such as Google, Facebook, Amazon, and others, they have all set themselves apart from the rest of the pack by mastering the client experience. The experiences we have with these platforms impact our expectations for digital interactions we have with other brands they impact everything from the purchasing of groceries to working with financial service providers we're also seeing fintech startups emerge in the ecosystem with these themes in mind as they seek to disrupt existing sectors or to create entirely new ones today we're going to talk about how these themes play a role in the advisor space and how they can leverage these key themes to attract and retain the next generation of clients Russell, we're excited to have you here today for this conversation.
1: Great, yeah, likewise, Russ, thanks uh, thanks for inviting me.
0: Well, Russell, I'd like to begin by asking you to briefly introduce yourself, your line of business, and the clients that you serve.
1: Yeah, sure, no problem. As you mentioned, uh, my name is Russell Andrews, and I'm the Global Head of Advice Solutions within SEI's Asset Management Distribution business. What, what we do principally is we supply outsourced centralized investment programs to financial advisors to wealth managers and to private banks we offer those uh, solutions via packaged options which really deploy our best thinking from a multi-asset multi-manager perspective or also through single asset class sleeves and then we also have a co-cio proposition where we, we co-create investment solutions with our clients and then we you know manage them on an ongoing basis we're a global business we have clients in the us we have clients in canada the UK, continental Europe, and and in Asia also.
0: Fantastic. So let's take a step back for a moment and let's think about maybe one or two of your favorite brands today. It doesn't have to be in financial services, but what do you love about the client experience of those brands and what they deliver?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, And what I like most about that is actually the fact that you call out brands rather than, say, products or services, because a brand to me is is you know a really critical part of of an experience and the first i'm probably going to highlight is a bit obvious so apologies for that but <laughs> i can't ignore it um and that for me is apple apple for me is a great brand you know like a lot of people i've got an iphone i've got an ipad you know and it's it's something i couldn't live without you know when i think about it's it's almost it's sheer beauty you know it's look it's feel but also it's so immersive you know i i probably pick up my iPhone more often than I realize and that's just simply because it does so many things for me and that is to me is you know it it, it is part of the Apple brand so that's probably the obvious one there's a second one though that I do want to talk a bit about and it's a bit more of a sort of a personal aspiration and the brand that helps me think about that and that's the Mercedes AMG Formula One brand now it's not necessarily a product that you kind of, you use or a service that you consume per se but for me as a business as a brand they have this perfect balance of sport design use of science use of technology and what we've seen over the last few years and i'm a big formula one fan is the results of getting that balance right has been absolutely phenomenal you know in in what they do they've been market leading you know or sport leading in that case but I just find that really, you know, inspirational in the sense that when I'm thinking about solutions and products, it gives me something to think about and go. It needs to be as good as something like that. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big uh, Lewis Hamilton fan. So, uh, so how's that Yeah, so so certainly uh, can can align with that. And I think it's super interesting because I think as you think about it, it encapsulates so many aspects of of a great experience when you think about that brand around it. it's, it's really leveraging technology, it's leveraging design, it's creating elegance, but there's also this, this intense competitive element that, that is represented mm. in that. So when we think about some of the themes, when we think about frictionless and gamification, education and social and this notion of hyper-personalization, which which one of these elements would you say are most important to the advisor space that you serve today and why and and actually on the inverse of that are there any that you think are maybe underrated
1: wow uh, i mean the first thing i'd say is that they're all they're all pretty important right yeah you know, these are five things that i think um you know are going to play big roles in in those businesses that are the most successful over the next certainly over the next decade maybe one perspective sort of looking backward is frictionless in my opinion is perhaps the one that's been focused on the most so far you know perhaps because it's maybe the most tangible maybe it's the easiest to solve through technology you know and that's super important but i actually think you know in my opinion right now the possibly the most important and also possibly the most underrated is gamification you know and i think that for you know a few reasons i think you know when we think about the human psychology it's such a powerful thing and anybody who's able to go ahead and understand that psychology and the triggers that drives changing behaviors you know and interpret that in a way which suits you know their particular business model it could be their particular industry I think gives themselves such a great opportunity to deliver not only go experience but to build real sort of loyalty which is critical in in the advice business to build deeper penetration which again could be you know commercially very attractive for advisors um and then to kind of continue to to, to earn more referrals as a result right so by building that gamified experience and and gamification as you know russ and, and we've spoken about before is it's not simply about creating a game that you know yeah. something that looks like a game feels like a game it's about understanding the experiences and what it is within that perhaps gamifying experience that drives those behavioral changes. And that to me is, is such a critical um, critical part of the advice industry anyway, but I think as we go through generational changes, it's gonna be even more important to understand how that needs to pivot to yeah, adapt to a different audience.
0: Yeah, uh, that's, that's spot on. I think oftentimes when we hear gamification, what we what we visualize versus the reality are, are two quite different things and i think you know to try to make it a little bit more real you know when we think about gamification it could be something as simple as tracking goals i mean i think mm-hmm. you know you know many of us have you know fitbits or other types of devices maybe you have your apple watch with a fitness goal associated with that and and that's a form of gamification and when you think about you know setting goals from a financial perspective an investing perspective How you achieve and how you're tracking towards that goals is really an interesting way of how gamification can be can be identified and implemented within a platform that creates stickiness, creates engagement and a desire to learn more around how they can achieve
1: those goals. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think when you look at goals based investing, almost the first part of it is, you know, a real gamified entry point because you're asking somebody to visualize the goal. The achievement of that goal and suddenly what it does is it starts to make it very real and it starts to make it something that feels like you know they're working towards an accomplishment or it might actually even be trying to exceed their expectations and again it starts to bring in this competition component um you know which is another part of gamification so it, it does align really well with um with goals based one other thing i think is an important um, point to mention is often gamification purely because it's been something that's been spoken about more recently, there's an assumption that it's tied exclusively to technology evolution. And, you know, it plays a role, you know, technology is, a, is an important um, player in, in delivering gamification, but it's not the only uh, requirement. It's not the only component. There are elements, like you say, around goals-based investing. There are elements around rewarding people for good behaviors that don't require technology. It's just technology makes it much easier to do perhaps much easier to enable. And then it's much easier to track and then collect data, which again, can then help advisors to continuously refine that proposition so that the the gamified experience is not only giving you short-term benefits, but really plays into your long-term sort of development roadmap.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you think about the next generation of investors, gamification, while not overt, I think for the next generation of investors and consumers out there, it's part and parcel to their daily lifestyle and and it can manifest in things such as you know peloton sessions or mm-hmm. <laughs> um, other types of elements, even you know in in the uh, the cryptocurrency space, you know many of the platforms reward behavior in terms of investing and and holding on to certain assets and they reward that with giving additional financial incentives. And so you talked about rewarding, but there's also that element of comparisons. and again, the comparison doesn't have to be. Um, overt and outwardly there, but to know how you're competing and how you're doing compared to your peers, whether it's, you know, savings for, you know, college retirement for your kids or how you're managing your cash flow. I think oftentimes that can be equally underrated in terms of motivating people's p- behaviors towards positive elements to try to save invest, and invest and look for the long-term opportunities.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of people ordinarily would would shy away from maybe the competitive element but because you're part of a community you suddenly feel i think less um concerned about that less exposed because you're in a safe place and you're competing with like-minded people and you know people within that that community or cohort so creating those league tables or comparing against you know your local savers or in the case of peloton you know cycling challenges you know, perhaps in a non-digital, non-community sense, those things just wouldn't really get adopted. But I think that sense of community has helped certainly eliminate that particular barrier.
0: Yeah, definitely. So when we were prepping for this particular podcast, one of the things we talked a bit together about is that this notion in financial services, we're no longer competing in our own verticals and that we're competing more horizontally as well. And so I'd love to get your thoughts and share some color on you know on this particular concept of like we're no longer competing against our own verticals and what considerations should wealth managers and financial advisors think about in order to remain competitive and relevant within this space
1: yeah I mean it, it's it's a true um, statement and I think it's it's probably got two levels of applicability when we talk about um, competing more horizontally now firstly you know there are alternatives to traditional um, channels for, for for consumers these days, you know, when it comes to financial services or, or, or advice. You know, so it's not, you know, you're not simply competing against the, the shop up the road. It's that, you know, we can now see other industries coming into the delivery of, of those same services. So that does change um, change the landscape because those could be businesses that already have big customer bases or they already have a strong brand and therefore this is not a difficult kind of shift for consumers to make Um, so it does mean that that that, you know we as an industry need to look across other industries to see where not only we need to compete against um you know emerging types of of competitors but also how we can work with those other potential participants to create what arguably could be better outcomes for for clients because you know whether it's um whether we're competing in a vertical or horizontally the aim of the game is to make sure that you know clients have delivered a great outcome and a great experience and sometimes it's better to partner up with others to to achieve that rather than maybe always compete against those that that do it slightly differently or or arguably slightly better right I, i think the other point of it um from a competition perspective is it's maybe whether it's competing in terms of a a particular service or product, but we are now competing for experience, right? There are other industries who are leading the way in terms of delivering great customer experiences, you know, whether it's um, social media, whether it's entertainment, you know, these particular industries are now resetting the bar, and I think we need to see those threats almost to what we do um, from a, a financial services standpoint, to ensure that you know, we don't become the laggard, uh, and we don't disappoint our customers, and they, therefore they start looking elsewhere to you know find solutions for investing.
0: Sure, I mean I think when you start to look at you know the, the the expectation of the buy it now button, or whether it's recommendations in Netflix, those are setting the bars in terms of how we engage clients and 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 how we provide those frictionless and personalized experiences that they're used to today in their everyday lives, whether it's on their phones or their televisions. And so I think, you know, making sure that we not only look at those experiences, but to your point early on, is look at look at the challengers that are in this space and what they're doing and identify opportunities to partner and, and collaborate to bring bring great experiences to the consumers.
1: Yeah. So I mean what, what, one thing just on that point, Russ, yeah. I would say is that we need to ensure that we don't dilute our fiduciary responsibilities as well so it's always important that you know while focusing on making sure the experience is, is great and is in line with what is becoming you know the expectation i think it's really critical that we remember that this is this is not something that can be rewound this isn't something that can be sent back right when you're investing and you know the, the results are in place those things can be terminal, so we need to always keep that professional element keep that fiduciary sort of mindset in place but but you know augment that with great experiences you know with digital and gamification and hyper personalization and all the things that, that you've uh, you've been talking about
0: sure no that's a great point and I think that's that's always one of, and I think the big challenges when we're trying to create for example frictionless experiences is how do you balance both the fiduciary responsibilities but equally the the data that's necessary on a kyc or other frameworks that ensure that we're meeting the obligations but also equally providing that frictionless experience absolutely So, so so let's kind of fast forward a little bit more futuristic and kind of say okay you know given the landscape of these different types of trends from a client experience perspective and kind of these key characteristics which ones do you think, again, out of social and education, gamification, frictionless and, and hyper-personalization, which one of those do you think will be the most important five years from now? Will they be the same or do you think others may, might emerge within
1: this space? I'll keep the crystal ball in the drawer right now, um, but I'll do my best to kind of put, put some, some meaningful thought behind it. I think hyper-personalization is something that is only going to become more and more demanded. So that's something that's probably going to be through the next five years as that really manifests into, you know, something that's a table stake. In five years, I think social is going to be playing a much bigger role than it does today. I think social right now is, is sort of on the periphery. It's sort of people are dipping their toe in and starting to see what they can do in that particular space. But I think as wealth transfers between generations, I think social media is going to become an absolute must to be part of a proposition and not just for advertising but also for you know for engagement for building those communities for even just conducting business through certain social channels so i think that's that's certainly one that's going to maybe rise to, to prominence whether or not there are any additional things come through you know i suspect there will be um but look you know tackling these five alone right now is probably enough for us as an industry to be focusing on
0: Right, right. No, I think that's spot on. I think, you know, the hyper personalization, I would agree. I think we're in kind of that, um, the curve going up and we have not yet hit kind of the top of the curve of of de- of driving value to consumers um, in that space, especially in the financial services area. And I think, you know, when we think about personalization really getting down to and, and kind of aligning that to today we can, you know, certainly personalize, you know, many things that we buy, whether it's, you know, trainers and, and other types of apparel to, you know, the cars that, that we purchase and being able to do that in the financial services space, utilizing advanced AI, machine learning and predictive analytic technology, I think is going to continue to evolve to the point where, you know, you get, you know, a, a segment of one, so to speak, in terms of the consumer side, but the technology will able enable you to do that at scale.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's that's the critical pathway, right? because hyper personalization is is exactly that and without technology and, and advanced technologies it, it simply won't be achievable so yeah big big focus on um exploring ways in which new technologies can be deployed to accelerate the the hyper personalized proposition is is definitely a, a it should be on every roadmap, um you know for the next two three years
0: fantastic well, that about wraps up our time today, Russell. I want to thank you for your insights and perspectives, and and let's book some time on the calendar in the future to see if any of these predictions continue to you know pan themselves out, and what potentially new shows up on on the horizon.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Russell. Really enjoyed uh, chatting to you as always, uh, and I'd love to come back uh, in the future. Fantastic. Thanks.